Hey, you're listening to Drawing the Line. I'm Roman McCutcheon. And I'm Brad Reeves. Today we're going to wrap up our conversation on faith and science. Last week it was dinosaurs on Noah's Ark. This week, talking snakes. Let's get started. say season three episode four but we're gonna be different today yep let's do it um back in the saddle again or however that works we're gonna close this out we're gonna close out this topic yeah re-engage on science and faith yeah yeah and i i like that it's faith and science and we did that intentionally because though they are seemingly versus one another they don't have to be and i think that's what we're gonna or at least that's what I want to get into a little bit today. Um, and I don't know if we often tell you guys about how we do our process, our podcast process, but a lot of people have like scripts and are probably, um, I'm going to speak for myself, way more prepared than I am as far as knowing exactly what they're going to say. Brad and I don't do that. Uh, we prepare. No, we take it the other direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're like, how, how, unprepared um, for knowing what Brad's going to say could I possibly be. Right. Well, I think we, we prepare separately. Yeah, absolutely. Extensively, but we we purposefully decide not to coordinate as to what we're going to say or how we're going to react to each other because we want those to be real reactions and mm-hmm. real interactions. Yeah, so you guys are getting, you guys are receiving this. The like, unadulterated real thing, yeah. first take. I don't even remember the last time we were like, no, we can't use that. We got to like yeah. do it again. And no, like at this point, we're... We had one, one out of like, I don't know, 40 podcasts or something <laughs> where we just decided to redo it only because actually we wanted to turn the knobs up yeah we did was we faith thought it in was, politics yeah faith we politics. thought it was too it was too, too tame yeah no right we had we're to not, ratchet it up we're not those people we're we're more than that so yeah faith and science i mean well and that's why i like doing having a second wing not that everything has to be a two-parter but i like getting some feedback i definitely mm-hmm. received fa- feedback on this uh this past episode hearing what people say, hearing folks' ideas, and then maybe like digging deeper myself into a few aspects where I feel like, okay, well, we didn't get into this area or this area, and then we get to do that the second time around. Yeah, and... And so kind of go ahead and, and, and diving in to, to faith and science. One of the things that I had mentioned in the previous episode is that growing up for me, um, faith and science or the science section started with the idea of evolution and creation and how um, it was like, I'm not evolved from a monkey. Like, all right. And so that was at its simplest form what, you know, my family in Alabama would really kind of hone in on. And um, I didn't really think much of it as a kid, but obviously as, you know, you grow up and you study and you, you try to really understand what, you know, Genesis 1 is really trying to get, you know, the, you know, creation in general is really trying to get into. You're like, okay, well, maybe how did God sort of make any of that work? And this isn't going to turn into a, you know, creation, you know, evolution episode, but... Um, but we need to talk about it. Like it needs to... Yeah. We need to at least sort of think about that because that, I think maybe... One, like we talked about last week, that may be one of the first things that jumps out at people where there has seemed to be such antagonism mm-hmm. 
where it is an either or proposition. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was a movie that I think was called Exodus. Um, and in that movie, they showed how um, the plagues were done. And I know that I know that that's not creation, but the way that they showed how the plagues were done was through like natural phenomenon that just right. stacked on top of like one thing happened, so another thing happened, so another thing happened. And I had never considered that before. And and I would consider myself fairly actually pretty knowledgeable in like Moses and his doings. All right. Right. And so for me, that was huge. Like you, in other words, you had never, when you had read those stories because of the way they had been presented to you or the way you had just read them, you Mm -hmm. know, straight out of the book, you had never considered that perhaps maybe God had utilized natural phenomenon Mm -hmm. or that natural phenomenon had been part of what, people experienced yeah and and i thought and and originally my thought was that's weird um but i'm not also one of those people that's like i think something's weird and i just write it off i think because when you say it's weird it's just different right you'd never thought about it so it, it is it's different it's strange exactly and so now well at not now but when i really started to kind of look into it because when i think something is odd or different I'm kind of one of those like, oh, why? Yeah, well, you're curious. Yeah, you, you, so yeah, I love that. That's great. I looked into it and I was like, oh, like that's kind of like legitimate. Some of those things make sense, right. and, and 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 though I'm not gonna, I cannot sit here and tell you for sure that that's exactly right, how because you weren't there. You didn't test the water to see if it was blood or to see mm-hmm. if it was like a red algae bloom or sure. whatever. Yeah. Um, now, do I believe that God could have absolutely been like that's blood? Or here's a bunch of frogs, or you know, everybody's got boils on their skin. Like, do I think God could have done that? Uh, uh, absolutely, God is capable of those things. Um, is that? Do I know for a fact that's exactly how He did it? Absolutely not. Could He have used the you know natural surroundings stack on top of one another? Could He have done it that way? Yes. And so I I hope that I guess kind of how I want to start that when we you know are thinking about creation and, and evolution and, and all those kinds of things is let's make sure we're not limiting God's power in the way that he made things happen. Well, what what you're doing, I, I love to just lean into what you're saying right there with Exodus, and then maybe we can circle back around yeah. at the creation and say something very similar, is what you're saying is you're trying to almost defend yourself to say, hey, look, this isn't because I don't have faith. Yeah. This isn't because I don't have faith in an you know omnipotent God right. um, that could do whatever God wanted to do. This is because after maybe looking at this and thinking about this, I think, well, maybe even though I have that faith, maybe scientifically, you could say it that way, scientifically Mm -hmm. or historically or factually, maybe that's not how God did it. Maybe it's less likely. Maybe it's more likely that this incidence was actually like a total eclipse of the sun than it was that God like somehow like took the sun away or took the moon away or stopped the sun in the sky or stopped the moon in the sky. Like maybe, maybe there were other scientifically explainable phenomena that would explain what people experienced. Yeah. And, and I, for me that, and you don't have any less faith thinking those things. It's just, maybe this is a different way to think about it. I would say that if, if nothing else, when I, you know, when I think about it and, and consider the ways in which it could be done, I have more faith because 
how intelligent, how, you know, beautiful is God's design for those things to be able to happen the way that they did if it was to happen naturally, right? Like, I mean, because if it were all to happen the way that it said in Exodus, right, that it was like back to back to back to back, right? And so that's impressive that God's like, I can make these things happen. Well, we, we have real-time experience with this. Like, we're not just operating in the realm of theory. If, if we think about, like, how uh, humans are created, mm-hmm. all right? Like, yeah. if, we, if we think about, like, the act of sex, and if we think about conception, and we think about, like, another human being right. <laughs> being created as a result of that, it's like we're seeing real-time something that is really quite miraculous happen, but it happens... Because, you know, it happens for scientific reasons that we understand. At least we understand them at a, at a high level. But I would say we, under, we have a, a much greater understanding of them than, we, th- than there was during biblical times. Mm-hmm. For, for instance, um, you know, you had situations, in, and not just in biblical times, but up until modern times, where people would think that because a, a woman was unable to conceive... It was a problem with the woman, but right. then you you go in in modern times because we can test these things. We can say, well, it's actually because of the male, yeah, <laughs> and it's exactly. not, it's not because of the female, right? Yeah. So science can teach us these things, but it doesn't make the the two people coming together and creating a new life any less miraculous, does it? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is it is miraculous. Yeah. You haven't attended a live childbirth, have you? I have not been in the room. No. Okay, okay, you haven't been in the room. That's what I, that's what I meant. Yeah, no. um, I have a couple, <laughs> ah. and it it is miraculous, right? It yeah. is miraculous. So, anyway, going back to creation, I think so. Th- there's a there's definitely a spectrum, I, I guess, of, of people and how they process faith in science. You started off talking about evolution. I think that for some reason Christians. Uh, definitely get very, very worked up about this. And this is why maybe science is usually pitted against faith is that Christians get very worked up because they'll say like in one corner are the evolutionists, like Mm. almost like it's a religion. Yeah. And then you have the Christians in the other corner. But I think where we were sort of ending up last week and where we wanted to pick up this week and continue is that that's a false dichotomy or, or potentially a false dichotomy. I think it's a false dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I did want to point out that you do have this entire group of Christians. Um, the chief among them would be uh, this uh, gentleman, Dr. Francis Collins, who's the director of the National Institutes of Health and has been for more than 20 years. He mapped the, he was, he was the, on the lead of the team that mapped the human genome, the first to mm-hmm. do that. Um, and uh, Francis Collins considers uh, himself an evolutionary creationist. All right. Okay. He's a, he's a Christian. Yeah, yeah. And he wrote the, the book, the language of God, which a lot of people may be familiar with. He started or was one of the founders of, of biologos. Uh, they have an excellent podcast series, by the way, the, the entire. So if you've liked last week and this week, uh, biologos has a podcast. If you just look that up, biologos, if you look that up on Apple or whatever podcasts, They've got hundreds of podcasts. Every single episode is on science and faith and sort of the intersection between those. And they go much, much deeper with people with many more degrees than Roman and I have of of Mm -hmm. how those things intersect. But my my point of just bringing up Dr. Collins and 
um, as a scientist, and and also I think the 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 group that he runs, uh, Biologos, is that there are Christians out there who have integrated science into their faith, right? Um, with respect to creation in particular, but not not only in creation, um, and I guess. From from my perspective, and this is where it's just me giving you opinion, and and you don't necessarily have to agree with it, Roman or anybody listening doesn't have to agree with it. To me, um, those positions give Christianity more credibility. Mm-hmm. I understand that there are those for whom it's like a it's like a life or death issue. It's a we're gonna die on this hill issue. It's a seven day, you know, that you have to take Genesis one literally. It's a literal seven day creation. And if you say it's anything but that, you are an evolutionist. You are, right. you don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. Um, or you believe in a, like a deistic God where God just, oh, well, you're just saying that God just set everything going and then went in the other room and God has no interaction with humankind, doesn't really care, just set it all up to work on its own. Um, I don't think it necessarily means that, uh, but 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 I just wanted to point out that there are there, there there are Christians and even large swaths of Christianity that have been able to integrate these, but in conservative evangelical Christianity, I think it's maybe uh, it's it's less prevalent, or, or you will find more of these folks that are just going to double and triple down regardless mm-hmm. of how much science we have that talks about the age of the earth or, or that confirms um, various aspects of, of, of evolution. They're just like, well, you know what? The Bible says it and that settles it. And that's all I got to say about Genesis. Right. And I think that, you know, we, we mentioned this a little bit last time was that, um, People, you know, this is the, this is, they'll choose this hill to die on, right? Because, you know, if you're wrong about one thing, everything else is invalidated. You're, you know, your whole faith is shattered, you know, and, and it, it's like, I, if you're not going to take that literally, you're not going to believe in Jesus or the yeah. resurrection or anything. Right. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned biologos because like, I also, you know, you, I, biologos, it makes a lot of sense. They do great work right and like i said we don't we do our research separately it's so. independently but yeah it- um but you know one of the things that i really enjoyed was the question that says is the fact the scripture uses pre-scientific ways of describing the the world the, you know the creation of the world invalidate its message um and i that's a great question that i think people struggle with um you know, I'll say it one more time because I'm yeah, not. Yeah, no, I, say I have, it again. That's I have a good to hear one. it twice. It does the fact that Scripture uses pre-scientific ways of describing the world invalidate its message. Um, you know, like Brad was saying earlier. You know, you know, back in the day, if you know, kids weren't happening between a husband and a wife, it's the wife's fault. It's different now because we know. Or she's a witch. Right, exactly, and then burned at the stake. Um, but, like, you know, though that's it, that was a reality then because that was just men were perfect and women were property, basically. And, um, you know, now we can – obviously we have the technology and the advancement to know that that's not accurate. It's, right. You know, sometimes. Sometimes, you know, it, it happens, right? It's not like it's a fault of somebody. You're it just, it just – it's a thing. And so we had not reached a point yet in science to understand mm-hmm. what were the basis of right. things. just and like George Washington died by bloodletting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, 
you know, he goes on to say Christians have long noted that God revealed himself to the biblical writers in ways they could understand. Yes. And that is so important. That that principle is called accommodation. Um, and that makes so much sense, literally. I mean, like, he needed the writers to be able to understand themselves so they could tell other people so they could also understand. Yeah, so what you're—just to maybe slow it down one click, when you're talking about accommodation or—, or uh, an accommodationist perspective, what we're really talking about is a way to interpret Scripture. You know, we had yeah. talked about that before, but what we're saying is that, okay, you know, through this lens of reading Scripture, we're perhaps reading some things as understanding that God uh, may have revealed certain things to to these writers or the way they saw the world, the way they were inspired, the way they wrote was in a way that they could understand, which, which makes sense. Just like if we were to somehow be able to go to the year 3000, um, in the future, uh, we, we would probably not, we would be using our own language to try to describe something that we'd never seen before. Like right. it, it might be, di- it might even be difficult for some things for them to explain to us. Like if we were to go back into medieval times and explain what an iPhone was, mm-hmm. it might be difficult to have the language to, to yeah. explain all the different things that it does because they hadn't been invented yet. Right. So th- yeah, I, I really like that concept though, that concept of, okay, well just because it's written in scripture, don't just stop with, well, it's black and white. It says what it says. Mm-hmm. Well, what's written there was written there so that the people could understand um, the, the main point of what was said. And, and if you think about the original audience, Roman, I can't remember if we've talked about this on, on the podcast before, but the original audience, at least for the writing of this, even by tradi- even in the most by most conservative standards, it would have been the children of Israel mm-hmm. that yeah. that came out of captivity. So, if by tradition, if Moses was writing, I understand there's critical scholarship that says these things were not compiled until much later. But let's just say by tradition, if Moses was writing Exodus and Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, if Moses was writing the Pentateuch mm-hmm. and he's writing this story of creation, he is writing it. Moses was leading the the, yeah. the the Israelites. So these are people who had been enslaved for 400 years. Yeah. And he's now going to try to explain to them, you know, perhaps this was an oral tradition that was passed down, but he's now going to record this story. Well, how do you explain the creation to people who had been enslaved for the past 400 years? Yeah. Like generation for generation for generation. What could they understand? And so then it starts to make the language make much more sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, what would it have if 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 it said in the beginning, uh, God took thirteen point eight billion years in order to form the world as we know it through the universe and did it with this dark matter and that? I mean, there's no way that it could have even been explained to these people uh, six thousand years ago. Right. I I think that you know, along those lines, the idea of, you know, people get into the argument of like, well, was it, you know, was it six days or, you know, do we know how, you know, and people get into the, was it actual and actual six days, six 24 hour days. Right. Where these periods of time, right. This non-literal. Yeah. Um, you know, yet again, I fall, I personally, my opinion, I fall into the category of it totally could have been. Um, can I also tell you without a shadow of a doubt, that's the truth. No, no, I can't. Can I, am I, am I willing to accept the fact that it could be different? Sure. Um, 
And I'm okay with that because like we said, I have an understanding that people needed to understand and the idea of that like sort of work week kind of thing is understandable to slaves. Right. Um, and so here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love how you said, I love how you tied that in at the very end to slaves because what was the, what was sort of one of the poignant things about, about what they were required to do as slaves in Egypt they had to work, had to work every day. Yeah. There was no rest. Mm-hmm. And so then you give them a story. You yeah. give them a story about how God worked for six days and then did what? Rested. Why? Because God was tired mm-hmm. from all of the heavy lifting? No, as a pattern to yeah. show that a, a healthier pattern to live, a, a more productive um, uh, just a life affirming way to live, not the way Pharaoh was treating them right. as slaves, but is to work in a cycle and a balance of work and rest. So again, what is the purpose of the narrative? Is the purpose of the narrative to provide historical facts or, or in, in, in the context of this discussion, to provide scientific facts? Or is the overriding purpose of the creation narrative to tell the story about how there is a divine creator and that divine creator loves order and loves diversity and loves creating things that can themselves create, Mm -hmm. right? So whether it's plants or animals or people, it's all good. It's all good. And at the end, it's all very good because they are uh, they they themselves have the power to create. So it's like you could, I think there's a there's different ways to read this creation story other than reading it like a science textbook that can be just as powerful, even more powerful that we can learn about the creator, learn from the original writer, even though this is a very, very old text. Well, yeah, I mean, um, yet again, you know, BioLogos, you can look into, I mean, they, they cover a whole, a whole lot of different things. And one of the, one of the things that they get into is how you should interpret the Bible. And, you know, they get into the fact that the Bible is written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. It took, you know, thousands of, you know, a thousand ish, how many thousands of years to finish something like that? Uh, about a thousand years. Yeah. About a thousand years, not thousands, about a thousand right. years. Um, and the people that wrote it were very culturally diverse. And though some of them had very specific audiences, um, in those instances, um, you, sometimes you, not sometimes when you are interpreting scripture, that always has to be taken into account is, you know, when I'm, when I'm telling my kids in youth group about, you know, when we're looking through a different, when we're looking through a section of scripture, we always, I always point out who the author is, who the audience is. And like the time period and what's happening in that particular area, because it's, it's important. If you were to just pick up a newspaper, um, from, well, I guess they still technically have newspapers, but I haven't seen an actual newspaper in a hot minute, right. uh, like a physical one. Right. Um, but if you were to pick up a newspaper, um, it, it would make sense why the author is saying certain things if you understand the concept behind the author and who the audience is, right? Right. Like if, if you just if you just like are thumbing through the New Testament, all of a sudden you're just like, boom, okay, Paul says, I wish these guys would go, you know, cut their genitals off. Right. You're like, um, okay, he sounds mad. Or like, what is that? Is there certain circumstances where it's like okay for us to sort of like yeah. 
talk like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have to have some context. Like who is the audience? Who's he talking about? Why is he so worked up? Why is he talking like this? Does he talk like this in other places? Like, you know what I mean? Like there's all these Mm -hmm. kinds of things where I think sometimes we take it for granted that because it's in the scripture, we can just sort of cut and paste it and apply because we we live in a cut and paste world, Right. right? It's, it's much easier to cut and paste something from one document into another than to create from scratch. Yeah. So we just want to like pull something out of the scripture and use it. Um, a lot of times offensively, uh, we want to use it, but it's like, well, where did you get that? And what did it mean at the time? Mm-hmm. What, what, what does it mean to us? Does it necessarily mean the same thing or, or is it, have you just sort of wrenched it from its context to where now it's meaningless? Yeah. Well, I, I, what I want people to understand that, I mean, like people that are listening, what I wish that I could understand consistently is that one, don't expect yourself or the people around you to be able to just pick up the Bible and perfectly interpret everything. Um, that's- yeah, it's like, it's an art. It's it's an art. Speaking of science, it's an art, not a science. Right. Like it's, well, I mean, I guess some people would you would use it or, or view it in such a way like, okay, we have the scripture. It says certain things where you might have disagreement, there are a list of right answers, mm-hmm. right? As to w- as to what that really means. And it's a very, there's a very one-to-one ratio of, of what's, what's the, what it says and then what's the right answer. But what it sounds, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You, you explain if I'm getting it wrong, but I think what you're saying is that that's not actually how interpretation works. Like you're reading it and, and yes, you do some work at looking at the context, looking at, and you sort of come up with, okay, this is what I think is being said. This is what I think is the application. And then I do that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe those things are totally in line, but maybe they're not exactly in line. Yeah. And that doesn't, and just because they're not necessarily in line with each other, that doesn't instantly mean that one of us is, is like objectively wrong. Right. Like I don't pull like okay well no here's the answer the real answer book yeah behind the answer book <laughs> yeah here's the book behind the book that says that you're wrong roman i mean i could do that i could quote john calvin or i could you know i could do something else and say mm-hmm. or i could go to the you know the restoration movement and i could say okay well this is what campbell said or this is what yeah. stone said or this is what whoever said but yeah interpretation is is an, almost inherently messy yeah and and it's because Oh, I mean, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings because we're messy. Um, we have biases. We have things that um, you said before in in a few episodes that we are influenced by. The way that, you know, we are, you know, grown, the, way, the, the things that we grow up with, the things that are taught to us, um, it just happens. That doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make, doesn't, that doesn't even necessarily mean that you're wrong. What I think when it becomes wrong is when you think that you that like you have it perfectly ready to go well that that's obviously you don't have a spirit of humility sure. when when you feel like that you are the only one that has the right answer i also want to point this out cuz i think this is really important especially when we're talking about science and faith and i think you made some good points about this when you were talking about sort of your origin story with your family um, and and how they viewed science and faith. And that is this, is that there can be 
relational consequences based on our beliefs. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like, so there is a consequence. If, if you're in a family that is a literal creation family where, you know, the evolutionists are talked about in the same breath as the the atheists and mm-hmm. the agnostics and the Democrats and just threw that in there for fun. Is. But like, you know, <laughs> the, in other words, you know, you have these people that are, it's like, oh, well, they're, they're one of those people, right? But if you, so if you start to rethink some of these things and then all of a sudden you're, you're thinking, well, wait a second. Okay, wait, there are these other Christians that have sort of integrated this and, and, and maybe there are ways that there is perhaps a providentially guided evolution like that's a thing that could have happened and maybe that makes me read genesis a little bit like that has real impact mm-hmm. on how you now fit into that tribe whether it's your family family of origin whether it's your church family so w- once you start having those different views all of a sudden that that can create relational challenges and and that's one of the things that we mentioned last week but something you deal with a lot as a youth and family minister is that when you have kids that are growing up and they're, they're getting fed lots of science and they come to church and they're getting fed lots of Bible too. Those things, you know, it's like, are they integrated or do they collide? What happens? And then what is the impact on them and their relationship to God was the impact on them and their relationship to the church? What's the impact on them and their relationship with their family? Well, you know, so Last Wednesday, when um, we had our, our youth group or whatever, uh, we were talking about how much how much Bible should we know? Like, where is the line there? Is it should I be able to quote as much as I possibly can? Or have it all memorized? Yeah. Should I be able to just like understand the meaning? Should I? I mean, like, what? Like, should I? How does that work? What? What, what am I? How am I supposed to know? How much am I supposed to know? And so, um, the kids gave great answers. It was, you know, I think that, that for, for them, it was, you know, most of the people that I'm talking to, most of the people that I'm trying to make disciples of, um, you know, don't know a lot of scripture. So I really need to, I mean, I need to know the message. I need to know the meaning behind what's, and, and I, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I love, I love their answer there. Um, but what I did, um, because they were kind of making it a one perspective. I wanted to, I wanted to flip that change it a little bit. And so I had them all spread out to where you couldn't hear. If I were to whisper to them, nobody could really hear what was, what was Mm -hmm. asked. And so I asked everybody the exact same question. And this is not the, the question that I'm going to say is, has, is not what I'm talking about as far as science or where this conversation is even going to go. But I asked, um, do they believe, um, is, is homosexuality, is, is homosexuality a sin? And that is the question I asked. And I gave, and I said, you can say yes, you can say no, you can say I don't know, or you can say I don't want to answer. So they had four, they had four, and I was the only one that was going to hear their answer. Um, I also made sure that they knew that their answer isn't going to be said out loud, that um, and that there's no judgment from me on what their answer is, because at right. this point they don't know what I believe. Um, and so I asked them all individually. They all gave me their answer, and I came back. And there were different answers within our youth group. There was like right. maybe twenty-ish kids there, and so. Um, I said, all right, guys, we have had a perspective of talking to people that don't really read the Bible and that, so we just kind of need meaning. We just need to know the, the message, the understanding. I said, does that change knowing that I asked you guys if homosexuality is a sin and all of you all go to church together? How does that work? Do you, do you need to know more Bible now? Do you need to, do you need, is, is, is the, is it the same? Is it different? 
And so I want, I want to think about that when it comes to the idea of science and faith. Mm-hmm. Like, do I need to know more of what scripture is saying? Do I need to have better references or better resources when it comes to the science side? Yeah, yeah. Um, or, and, and this, is, this is my personal opinion, do I need to focus on the relationships that I have with people more so that this conversation can be had civilly and that it can, we can disagree and it'd be okay? Um, and I personally care about that a lot, but that's also because like, I don't want people to not like me. I'm an Enneagram three. Um, right. And so I struggle with that thought. Um, but I, I'm interested to know, Brad, you know, your thoughts on that idea. Um, because it's one thing to have conversation with people outside of the church about this topic, about faith and science. Yeah. And I think that it is a whole different conversation sometimes with people inside oh, yeah. the church. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I think what I have done, because I've taught a lot of classes over time, um, you know, thankfully I've had the, the ability to be able to do that or the, the platform to be able to do that. And the way that I have dealt with it is whenever I'm particularly dealing with Genesis or, mm-hmm. or maybe if I'm dealing maybe with the story of like Jonah getting swallowed by the great fish, I like to provide people with alternatives I like to, in my teaching, because I know that I know my audience right. and I know in the audience sort of the credited response and the way that people understand the scripture most likely is going to be this traditional sort of literal understanding, literal seven days, yeah. literal fish swallowing Jonah, um, just very literal um, uh, readings that w- readings that might not be consistent with how we understand science. Yeah. Okay. So, but what I like to do a lot of times is offer an alternative uh, to for people to consider, and then to show how within the narrative of the story and within the context of of all of Scripture, how it doesn't necessarily neuter the story, right? Or, or, or like what the story means. Like so, the 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 historicity. Just to give you an example, the historicity or the the actual fact that there were an Adam and Eve, an original Adam and Eve. To me, if those, if Adam and Eve were instead archetypes in a story, uh, in the creation story in Genesis, you know, one, two, and three, really, especially talking about Genesis chapter three and the fall with the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden and talking snake, etc. Right. <laughs> if that was instead sort of an archetype, if we read that like we read the stories of every other religion. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. So, I'm trying not to be too sarcastic, but I mean, literally, when we read the Odyssey, when we read what, what every other religion, we're like, oh, well, those are just fables, and they're meant to teach us something. We're like, but ours is literal, right? right? But, but back to my point, just because Adam and Eve may not have literally existed, I mean, neither you and I were, nor I were there to, was to know. Nope. But that doesn't mean that there's not a really profound story there about what it means to sort of to always want something you don't have to be to be compelled by something especially when it's off limits right. i mean who who among us has not experienced that right it's like the the minute you say oh i think i'm going to cut back on carbs oh. all of a sudden all yeah. of a sudden, donuts are, like free donuts are coming out of everywhere. They really right? Are. Yep. That's the, the, That's the, the truth. second you say I'm not going to do this or I'm not. Oh no! But anything but that. 
all of a sudden it has this magical power. Yeah. Like in the Garden of Eden, you're like, ooh, that looks good. Man, that would be tasty. Oh, and it would be nice to know all the things that the talking snake told me I'm going to know if I do this, mm-hmm. right? Or, oh, it won't really be that bad. I know, you know, these are supposed to add, you know, th- these are these are this many calories, but it won't be that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. like there's so many, there's so many like amazing takeaways from just a kind of a stupid little story. I don't mean it's stupid. I just mean it's just a very simple story. Yeah. That for you to, for at least from my perspective, for you to take the position that, well, unless this really happened exactly this way in history and scientifically, then it means nothing. No, to me, it still means a whole lot. Yeah. It could mean a whole lot and you could learn from it. So, all right. Sorry about right. that. No, 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 no. You don't, you're good. No, I, and, and I, and I, I love, I, I love that conversation that you can have with people about that because I think that it requires people to at least reconsider what they have been taught. I mean, if they've, you know, grown up going to church consistently, that's probably something that wasn't normally taught in Sunday school. It wasn't normally, not normally preached, right? Or for the ones whose kids have just run as fast as they could away from the church they were brought up in. Yeah. Maybe now, maybe what I've done is provided an alternative Mm -hmm. for them to say, Hey, you know, maybe if these are, if they've had these engaging conversations with their kids and like, well, Hey, well, why don't, you know, what, why can't you agree with this? Or, or what, what are the things that keep you away from religion? Well, I mean, Hey, you know what? I'll just be completely honest here. Go back and listen to every podcast we've had. My, my underlying agenda here is to try to open things up for, for people like that, yeah. for people for whom they're just like, man, this just doesn't work for me anymore because I've been exposed to this, that I've experienced this, that in life. And I'm not sure how this Bible even works in my real life. Well, I don't think that means you need to throw it away and let me give you some strategies for how it can still be a part of your life. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, Almost on the flip side of that, Brad, I would say that if you were to go back and listen to every episode, I'm talking to the other people, the people that are who are can feel that they're consistent and then they got all their stuff together and that they've been doing all these traditions and it sounds great and they're nailing it. And I want them to say, I don't know, um, and want them to know that there's there's power in those words. And that that's a big deal. Yeah, it's okay to do that. Mm-hmm. It's okay to do that. And it, it doesn't mean you're untethered and and losing your faith. And no, not everybody's in a sort of a deconstruction phase. But when, like you said, when when eight out of 10 kids are not going to come back to, to a church yeah. that they grew up in and spent 18 years in, something's going on. Yeah. So, you know, m- maybe there's some different strategies, particularly when we're talking about science and faith. I, and that's one of the, re- if there's a reason why I'm getting worked up, it's because I think this is a, a key area. And, and it, uh, so much of it really does come back to how we read scripture and, and what are the, what are the acceptable ways to interpret scripture? What, what, what are sort of the, um, like the spectrum of acceptable ways to interpret scripture. And you can see in the Biologos, again, I mean, we've hit that a lot, but yeah. if you go there, you can read um, just a, sort of their statement of belief. You can see how they are, they are really committed. They are. They are committed to, to honoring God. Uh, they are Christians. They're followers of Jesus, sort of all the sort of traditional things. But at the same time, 
these are scientists. Like these yeah. are people who are just like, hey, look, the science says what it says. And we're just trying to honor that because the, the science is our life's work too. But you know what makes our lives have value and meaning? It's it's God and, and that's our worldview. So that they, I just think it's such a beautiful example of integration of those two. Yeah, let me read you um, the author of one of the, because the, like, they have a bio, right? I'm going to read you what, the the author her name is Steph Bryant and it's the one of the articles she did was kids have big questions too and it's about faith and science yeah. I'm gonna read you um, a little bit about her, her uh, Steph Bryant says Steph studied natural science sciences at the University of Cambridge special specializing in conservation science and evolutionary and behavioral biology it says her faith in science inspire her to conserve and protect the world she believes God made I think that in a nutshell is what I would like to see happen more often Um, to let people know that they are individuals on what, for whatever reason, if we're going to have to put people on, uh, if we're going to faith this on one side and sciences on the other, there are people that are on both um, that, that, that claim both sides. And, you know, obviously people from biologos are on both because they do, they do it and it's really good at it. And so, you know, if it's, if it's questions that you have, if it's, you know, if, if it's things that you're struggling with, um, that's a great resource. And I would really suggest it to you. Um, because like Steph way knows way more than I will ever know about the subject. Right. And so, no, they have, I mean, they have an incredible sort of guests, like I mentioned on the podcast and on their blog and a a lot of stuff. I do want to say this, I, I guess some, maybe some red meat for the more conservative people out there. Now, I am not saying that, you know, everybody who is an evolutionist believes in God. That That is not the case, right? right? Yeah. I mean, you definitely do have people who just believe that we're sort of randomly spinning out there um, in, in the universe, and they could be very, they could be scientists. They could, yeah. they could be brilliant people, and they could understand, um, they could understand way more than I do about the functioning of the natural world. Mm-hmm. To me, though, it's almost like those people are missing out just as much as the as the diehard Christians who believe that science has nothing to do, that anything in science that would just even impinge uh, slightly upon a literal reading of scripture must be thrown away. I think both of those groups are missing something, right? Yeah. Because it, you could understand all the workings of the universe because you're still going to die. Fair. Right? It will happen. <laughs> like it's like in and according to science, I guess at some point, I can't remember what it is, is it like five hundred million years from now or something, like the whole thing's going to burn up. Um something like that, yeah. If as one of our our, our uh, previous family life ministers used to say, if Jesus doesn't burn it all up anyway <laughs> first. Um no, so you have people that you definitely have people who are like sort of on the hundred percent science side where they're just like, I don't need anything more. It just we're here, we can measure it, we can, you know, we can enjoy it if we want to, but really there's nothing more than this. And to me that miss misses back to the miracle of childbirth it misses sort of the explanation of like why is that miraculous why did i think that was miraculous when i was there for the birth of my two children why did that make me feel the way that i did Mm -hmm. did did i just 
did I just back to evolution? Did I just evolve to have those feelings so that I would then protect those young so that the next generation? I guess that's an explanation. Mm -hmm. But I believe it's deeper than that. And I've right. had so many again back to experience, not necessarily to scripture, but I've had so many experiences in my life that tell me that there is more than just what science describes. Yeah. And to me, that's where the religion and the faith comes in. It's those experiences where science can tell me how it happened. It can tell me functionally, you know, why I had children, mm -hmm. but it cannot explain for me why I felt the way that I did when I did have children, right? Yeah. Or when I fell in love or, or, or any number of other experiences. When I was there, when somebody passed away, mm -hmm. like all kinds of things like that, where I think that's where faith really is is necessary yeah and so you know in wrapping up here i think one of the things that i, I want to say um in the end for myself is that um though i i appreciate you know the you know you guys who are listening like appreciate you immensely and love that you guys give us feedback and love that you guys you know continue to to come back to us um we are not the end-all be-all especially when it comes to topics like this there are people that know way more. Oh, we're just like scratching the surface oh, yeah. on this. And so, listen, I, I, I hope that we inspired you to, if nothing else, go do more studying. Yeah. Go dive in more because these are things or what I think we are, what we try to be intentional about when we pick topics are, are relevant things that people are struggling with. And so... Um, I, you know, I'm just going to assume here, which I guess I'm not supposed to, I'm going to assume that there are people listening that struggle with this idea or have people that they know that struggle with this sure. idea. One or the other. Yeah. It's gotta be the case. And, and, and so, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to challenge you guys to, to pursue that, to, you know, be okay with saying, I don't know, to, you know, keep an open mind into going into conversations and into reading things that are going to challenge you and your beliefs on either side. Um, but go do it. Don't just sit there and be those people that are like, well, I, you know, I believe this or, well, I don't know. And then you just, you're just stagnant, like continue, you know, pursuing, you know, that, that, that truth. Right. Um, and, and, and I think that that, that's an important concept to live by just in general. I don't, I mean, I, I could say that it's a Christian concept, but I think it's just a, it should, you should just continue to try to do that regardless. Yes. Okay. That that's that's so good. I, I'm gonna take it just a slightly different direction for sort of my parting shot here, because one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this Roman is not because we always want to bring back to Genesis, right? Um, though it, it seems like that's sort of the driving factor. But it was because I had been seeing so much from my um, you know evangelical brothers and sisters that was antagonistic to science mm -hmm. and and quite frankly uh, you know a lot of it was is related to covid and to vaccines right and i had just been seeing so much of that you know i've been seeing um data that showed that uh you know what is particularly white evangelical protestants were like the least likely to get vaccinated yeah um more likely more more uh, more more unlikely than any other group, or I should say it a different way, they were the more likely than any other group to say no to vaccines 
I mean, any other demographic. And I just started to wonder myself personally, how much of this, because I was seeing a lot of anti-science, anti-NIH, anti-CDC, anti-FDA, anti-anti, which gets us to government, which I'll come back to in a second. So, um, but I was seeing so much of the anti-science that I was like, you know, this feels similar to what I've heard in the past where whether it's talking about creation or talking about miracles or anything else where I feel this this sort of Christian push against science where where it doesn't line up with sort of what we already think we want to dismiss it we right. want to ignore it and I and so I really just wanted to push on that a little bit and explore that I don't think that's a great thing for Christians to be antagonistic to science right I agree I I, I, I want there to be a way that we can integrate science so I'm thinking that maybe a uh, <laughs> an appropriate evolution from this subject mm-hmm. to move into next week, Roman, as I mentioned, government. Okay. And like, you know, we've had, obviously the government has had just a lot more, it's very active in our lives, but uh, with mandates and quarantine and all the things we've gone through the last 18 months and sort of Christian reactions to that mm-hmm. on, on both sides or in both directions, um, what do you think about next time talking about, you know, how should we view government? You know, we, we've talked about politics, but I'm talking yeah. about more like sort of the Romans 13 mm-hmm. um, idea of, of governmental authorities and institutions and how, how do Christians deal with that, react to that, relate to that? Yeah, no, that sounds great. I mean, um, I mean, we all know Jesus was a Republican, so I th- that's a joke, by the way. Um, I probably should have laughed after that. That's going to be the uh, title of the next episode. <laughs> we all know Jesus was a Republican. We all know Jesus was a Republican. Or is a Republican. Is currently. He is living. Right. Um, no, I, yeah, I love that. I, I, think that's, I think that's a great idea, and I think that, um, I mean, that's something I would want to study. I mean, and I've yeah. looked into it some before, but it, it'll be nice to really kind of dive. Well, because a lot of that. people I think are, are bringing up those ideas. It, it's kind of funny. Uh, let's, I don't want to get into it before, but just to maybe as a little bit of a teaser, it's interesting because sometimes it depends, well, who's in charge <laughs> because like if somebody's in charge, Christians are using Romans 13 all day long. Yeah. If it's somebody that, who they agree with, but when it's, as soon as it's somebody they don't, or there's a change in administration, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We have to be uh, wary of these institutions because of the powers and the authorities and the dark forces and all, all yeah. that. So I think there'd be a lot for us to talk about. Yeah. I think it's gonna be great. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Well, Hey, Thank you guys so much for being with us this week. Uh, really look forward to uh, being with you guys next week. But please, if you can share. Um, and rate us. And rate us. That we, would we be great. We need more ratings. Yeah, in, absolutely. In particular, just stop stop your car and, and rate us right now. Yeah, I don't know. Five stars would be the yeah. ideal situation for us, but we'll take four and a half. Um, yeah, I'll only take five, but you oh. can just say the four and a half is for Roman. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. You can just say for Roman four and a half. Hey, thank you guys so much. And, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Have a blessed day.